Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. When I was young, in the 1950s, I attended Catholic Grammar School and I memorized the Baltimore Catechism. In fact, I think I got an A on all of my tests. Um, I faithfully attended Mass each week, not because I wanted to, but because I was afraid if I didn't, I would suffer eternal damnation. I followed all the rules. I followed my Catholic faith um, faithfully. But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine. I can't even share with you how I was so wrote in my faith. And I was attending this, but I was not present. I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. Uh, I was definitely not intentional, I was stuck broke in my faith. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game. And I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it. Honey, you've been trying to quit and you've been saying this and saying that. And I'm a, you know, he, his big line to me is, you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never followed through on them. And so this was, Week after week, month after month, he is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you, on your own, could have done this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 through 21, St. Paul compares the sacrifice of the Christians to the sacrifice of Israel and then to the sacrifice of the pagans. Paul calls the chalice, the blood of Christ, and the bread as participation in the body of Christ, and then warns his listeners that you cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons at the same time. So in other words, you need to decide what are you going to participate in? Are you going to participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice which is in the Eucharist or not. Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us.
And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder, and it's uh, always great to be here with you on this uh, this nice evening. Believe it or not, folks, uh, we're setting a record out here in Wisconsin for weather. I don't know why we always begin the show with weather report, uh, <laughs> but out here in Wisconsin, uh, it is incredibly, incredibly uh, beautiful. It's 70 degrees, and it's going to be that way through Tuesday. Here in uh, <laughs> the, the great uh, Midwest, it's just wild. So uh, I, I'm enjoying that weather. Uh, I, I want to... Um, Bring on my guest first this evening because I know that uh, Anne uh, DeSantis is having just a little bit of uh, some uh, technical issues with her microphone this evening. But nevertheless, uh, we are here and uh, we have a, uh, a wonderful guest for you, uh, Margaret Rivera. She is a uh, blogger and a writer uh, at the Exuberant Cat at the Exuberant Catholic Facebook page, and also she writes for Catholic 365, which is uh, something that is very well known. Uh, and the way that uh, this works, folks, on, on our podcast is we are, we are very open to encountering uh, people, and Margaret was listening to our podcast and reached out and said, this was really great and whatnot, and I ended up saying, well, hey, Margaret, why don't I just give you a call? <laughs> and so <laughs> here we are, uh, and, it's, and it's such a blessing to have you, Margaret, on, uh, thank you. on, on the program, and, and thank you, first of all, for listening and, and enjoying uh, Sewing Hope. It's been, it's been wonderful. Uh, so, so thank you so much uh, for, for listening to the program and being, and being with us. Um, and tonight, it's just great. Thank you so much, Bill. I mean, this is amazing. And I consider it an honor to be a guest. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I, well, as we always do on, on the podcast, uh, I would love it if you would just share with us your faith journey. If you would just share with us uh, your your faith journey a little bit, that would be wonderful. I, um, I'm 67, so I'm a child of the 50s, and I went to Catholic school. I was very devout. I, uh, from the third grade on, I used to attend Mass on a daily basis before class started. And from the sixth through the eighth grade, I thought I would become a nun. I thought I would enter the convent. Well, I entered public school, <laughs> and three weeks later, that vocation somewhat dissipated. But um, nevertheless, I still, I went to Mass, and I had had a very low self-esteem. Um, I was oftentimes, you know, called ugly, and, you know, different comments were made, so on and so forth. And that lasted through my teenage years. When I got to college, I developed what I guess could be called a very biting wit and an outrageous personality. So that somewhat made up, I suppose, for the lack of looks. But when you have a low self-esteem, that's within you, and that does not leave easily. Unfortunately, it resulted in promiscuity uh, from the time I was 20 until the time that I was 30. Um, I became involved, you know, with married men. It did not matter if a man was single or married. Uh, and I believe it or not, I would still be at mass, perhaps not every Sunday, but I was still there, still considered myself a Catholic of good, of good standing. But it's very evident that I did not have any knowledge as to who God truly, truly is. I had no knowledge of the word. If anyone has said to me, well, you know, Margaret, you need to refrain from premarital sex or any type of sexual activity until you're married, knowing my mindset, then I'm sure I would have laughed at them. On the outside, I was successful. I had a master's by that point. I, 
you know, was working in law enforcement, I still am, I'm still, um, full, you know, employed on a full-time basis, but I did not know God. I truly, truly did not know God. And I remember uh, I wrote in my transformational journey, I had one boyfriend who was married, went back to his wife, and he said, well, when you call me at home, use a code. And if she's home, I'll tell you that you have the wrong number. And I did that. Uh, and he did that. And it cut me to the core. Hmm. But that did not stop me. Um, I wish I could say that events like that had changed my ways, but they did not. And it appeared that like every man that I became involved with was either you know, married, living with his wife, or separated. I began to feel very depressed. I was very much spiritually depleted. And I worked in the Manhattan DA's office at the time. And I had a good friend, Christopher, who said to me, Margaret, you truly need to come with me to my prayer meeting at Fordham University. It's here in New York City where I reside, where I've always resided. And I thought, yeah, 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 yeah. But I eventually mm. did agree to go with him. And that was on Wednesday, June 6, 1979. I have an excellent recall <laughs> of days and dates. <laughs> yeah, and so. we went, he introduced me to the people there and I enjoyed it. I truly enjoyed it. And I even went to confession and I thought, oh, this is it. I'm just going to devote my life to God. It's going to be me and God. Well, that was Wednesday. Saturday, I was at work and my on again, off again boyfriend made a surprise appearance. So forget mass. <laughs> huh. um, that, that just did not happen. It did not take long for me to go back into my old ways. Two months later, I was sleeping. My boyfriend had stayed over and Mary appeared to me, the Blessed Mother. And I will never forget this as long as I live. This was August 1979. And she had a frown on her face, a very, very strong frown. And I immediately became panic stricken. I was like, oh my gosh, what is it? What is it? What did I do to displease you? And then suddenly it hit me and I said, okay, I will give up Sandy. That was the name of my boyfriend. Well, I vowed all of that. That did not occur. Mm. And for the next year, my life basically continued on as it had beforehand. But again, Christopher came up in uh, September 1980. We were co-workers. He called me one Thursday night and said, Margaret, there's an opening tomorrow for a retreat where his fiance and another friend were going to. He says, I put your name down. I want you to go. Okay. I packed my bags and I went. I can't say something specifically happened at that moment. The retreat happened on... A, began on a Friday evening. I went, there was Friday evening. I stayed over. I was there Saturday. And Sunday morning, I just had this realization. I said, Margaret, if you want to change your life, you have to please God. And one way that you need to please God is you need to refrain from sexual intimacy until you are married. There are no ifs, ands, or buts. And I did for a while. I said, nope, that's it. No more. I am going to be married before I otherwise engage. And I kept to that for a while, um, but old habits die hard. During that time, I also became involved uh, with a priest. Uh, the Thornbirds had been aired, and I had my Ralph de Bricassart. <laughs> And I'm not proud of that, you know, and I'm not really proud of anything that I did. There are times, Bill, I'll think of occurrences and I just 
wince and I cringe and I shake my head. I say, oh, my goodness gracious. (laughs) What was I thinking? What was my mindset then? Um, And I just shake my head and say, Margaret, Margaret, (laughs) I'm very blessed that God did not decide to take me back then because I would have gone to hell. So um, I had, like I said, I became involved with the priest in October of 1982. He left my parish to go back to his native South America, but I continued to write to him. And as I continued to write to him, I became involved with yet another man who was also married, but was separated. Well, I wanted to find out my future. I had gone to psychics before. And I remember I had a friend that said, oh, come on, come on, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to a psychic. It didn't take anything to convince me. And we went and, um, you know, she said some things, I suppose, that I could I could consider factual, but I'll get, you know, to there. Um, I'll get to that afterwards. You know, there's no factuality, you know, in anything regarding the occult. But I was convinced. I was like, oh, no, this man's going to marry me. He's going, you know, he's going to leave his order. And I was still with a married man. That relationship eventually ended in early 1984, but I had already had plans to go to Peru that February. And I went back to a a psychic and I'll never forget how overjoyed I was when she cut her tarot cards and said, my dear, you are going to be married and it is going to be as a result of this trip. Those were her exact words. Well, I was just ecstatic. Oh my goodness. I knew that I was Mm. not coming back from Peru. And if I came back from Peru, I was going to be married. Mm. Well, I left on February the 9th, 1984. And I came back on February 26th, devastated. My trip obviously did not turn out the way that I had anticipated. And I knew that this just was not going to work out. If I wanted to engage in an affair, my cleric was more than willing, but he was not willing to leave the order and get married. That was a harsh reality that I had to face when I came back into New York. Mm. And when I got to work, I was rather robotic. I was devastated. I can't even explain. I was so devastated. It was the end of a fantasy. But I remember thinking, Margaret, you are 30 years old. You are going to be 31. Is this how you want to live for the rest of your life? There has to be something else. There has to be another way for you to live. You're going from from relationship to relationship. And it's like you're moving further away from God. Ironically, I was very much involved in my parish at that time. I was a Eucharistic minister in the choir. I mean, whatever activity they had, Mm. I was there, but I did not know him. I truly did not know the truth of his word. Um, And I had a coworker. I was a probation officer at the time, and there was a coworker there. And she noticed my off appearance. She She noticed my robotic demeanor. She began to speak to me. She's not Catholic. Um, She's always been non-denominational. But for the rest of my life, I will always be grateful to Carolyn. She sat me down and she said to me, Margaret, the way you're living is not pleasing to God. And she began to speak about the Lord in a way that I had never heard anyone speak about him beforehand. Um, It was about someone who loved me 
someone who cared about me, someone who wanted me to succeed, who wanted the absolute best for me. And I thought, really? Um, I, I was amazed. And she was honest because she said she had three children. And I always appreciated her candor as she said to me, Margaret, my oldest son is not from my husband. She said, I had a relationship before I was married. Robert is from another man. Because I had another Christian friend who said to me, I never did anything wrong. <laughs> and I <laughs> thought, oh, really? <laughs> Why do I think that I'm not able to share anything with you? She said, no, I lived a perfect life. I never did anything wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> I knew that wasn't going to work out, you know, to share confidences with. But Carolyn was candid. Um she, again, she, you know, she explained everything about the Lord. She showed me different scriptures about what, who God truly was, how he loved me, what he stood for. But I did make another trip to the psychic. Old habits again, die hard. And she says, oh, no, you and him are going to be together. That is it. I went back to work the next day and I was just ecstatic. I said, oh, she said this, she said that. And after a moment of silence, Carolyn sat there. And she began to explain to me the danger of the occult, the danger of psychics. And what she stated, and that has always resonated with me, is that they will tell you a quarter of the truth to lure you in. And, the, you know, three quarters of it are lies. She then explained about the dangers of astrology, um, horoscopes, all of that. And I can honestly say from that point on, that was March 1984, I never again read, a, wow. you know, read my horoscope cool. or consulted, you know, my, yeah. my sign, so to speak. And when people would ask me, what is your sign? I said, no, Jesus is my sign. I'm done with that. Mm. So eventually I did accept the Lord. You know, she uh, continued to minister to me. I was still devastated, but I knew that unless I accepted the Lord, my life would just continue in a, you know, in a futile yeah. manner. I knew that there was really no other alternative. I had to make a commitment to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I want you to be my savior. I want you to guide my life. And that, again, was in March of 1984. Well, a few weeks later, I'm sitting at my desk and I had my birth control pills on me, which I took daily, like a vitamin. <laughs> And suddenly I sat there and I said to myself, why am I taking these pills? I have made a promise to God, which I will keep this time, that I will never again engage in premarital sex until I'm married. And to this day, I can see myself as I went into my bag, I grabbed a packet of pills, I went into the ladies' room, and I popped each and every one of the garbage and I said, mm. I am done with this. My life has changed. And I meant it. That is so wow. beautiful. That's so beautiful. And for, it really is. And folks, no, you're not, you're not hearing anybody else but Anne Sanders. There you are. So, <laughs> so, uh, so Anne, thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm so sorry. I had a little uh, technical difficulty, but um, no thank worries. God for husbands, right? Yeah, there you go. Because my yes. husband was able to check it and figure it out. So great to be here with you, uh, Margaret. So Hello. Hi, Bill. It's great. And, thank um, you, Anne. Yes. Now, I, can I just read them now? I don't know if, Bill, you had a chance, but I would love to read them your bio, even though you've been talking for a while. Yeah, please You sent do, me this, yeah. this beautiful bio that I'd love to read. Uh, now, and uh, Margaret 
LaCavaro Rivera is 67-year-old native New Yorker who has worked in law enforcement since 1978. She accepted Jesus as her savior in 1984 and left the church in February 1995. For the next 16 years, Margaret attended various non-denominational fellowships, but at the Lord's directive, she was jubilantly restored to Catholicism in September 2011. Margaret has described the events that led to her surrender, her life to God in a transformational journey, as well as a joyous return to Catholicism. She's active in her parish, St. Francis of Rome, Bronx, New York, where she serves as a lector, Eucharistic minister, secretary of parish council and liturgy committee, as well as the co-chair of the faith formation committee. And I will say she is a Catholic author with Catholic 365, where I am also a writer. So, so good to be here with you. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank and you. I, I've been enjoying listening to your story. It's just incredible. Uh, I don't want to interrupt you, though. So please take us back to you said you were at the point where you threw the birth control pills. I did. I popped each and, yes, each and every one. I popped them from their foil um, container into the um, into the garbage disposal. And I said, I'm done with this. Mm. And I meant it. And I stayed with that. Um did I make mistakes along the way? Absolutely. Um, you know, when we're babies, we take baby steps. You know, I did not, I cannot say, oh, you know, I just, that was it. I just, you know, yes, I did change. There were many, many elements of my life that I did change. But again, as a child, as a baby, you know, some things took a little bit longer than others. Well, and we're not perfect, it's, right? We're not perfect. Oh, nobody's perfect. No. You know, nobody's perfect. And, and, and I think that's a beautiful part of your story, too, that, you know, the ups and downs and ins and outs. And I, and we're, I definitely let you finish because it's such a beautiful story. Um, but, Thank you. But, you know, for people out there listening to this, know that, you know, relapses and, you know, rededications to the Lord, they're all part of one's journey. And so don't get discouraged if you're listening to this. You know, Mar you know, Margaret, you got a beautiful uh, testimony, but, but, but I think a lot of people out there can resonate with it because there are so many hills and, you know, hills and valleys, and that's a beautiful thing. There are a lot of hills. There are a lot of valleys. Um, <laughs> that was in March. I, um, a few months later, June 3rd, 1984. Again, I told Bill that I have a very strong recall of days and dates. You know, my friend Carolyn kept pestering me, please visit my church, please visit my church. Well, I said, finally said, okay, I will do so. And I went to her church. It was on Long Island. I'd never been to a non-denominational fellowship before. That was my first encounter. And I, you know, and I met different people and what have you, and everybody was pleasant. Although what I did not appreciate was the fact that, oh, you're Catholic. Well, I did not experience joy until I left the Catholic church. And, you know, I quietly rolled my eyes. I just, you know, ignore them for the time being, but the pastor called people up for prayer. And I'll never forget this. As long as I live, he did not know me. He knew nothing about me, but when he came to me, he said, the Lord has heard your cry of fear and frustration, and he wants you to know that he has already taken care of it, but you have to stop taking it back from him. And what he re referred to was that I wanted a husband. I was 31 at that point. I wanted to be married, and I was so petrified. 
that the way that I had lived beforehand precluded any, you know, any possibility of me becoming married. I thought the marriage ban had passed me by. And I was ashamed. I was ashamed of my prior life. And I said, oh, gracious. Well, you know what, Lord? You know I want to be married. You know I want a husband and change my life. But I'm sure the way I lived was so displeasing to you that that is not going to happen. And that was a back and forth, back and forth. What did not help was <laughs> there were many individuals in the kingdom who mm -hmm. said, well, you can't be married. I mean, that has to be God's will. If it's not God's will, forget it. You're going to stay single for the rest of your life. Deal with it. Ah, okay. <laughs> but that pastor ministered to me. And as I found out, and this typically occurs in many non-denominational churches, he had a word of knowledge. But it helped me. It helped me so much. Well, that afternoon, after the service was over, my friend and her family had something to do. And I was invited out to lunch with three other individuals. <laughs> One of them, oh my goodness gracious, when he heard that I was Catholic, he just went off in the restaurant. And I was trying to be polite. I think I've lost a lot of my reserve in the intervening <laughs> years. I was 31. Again, I'm 67. And I just basically said to him, look, I don't share your ideology. I'm Catholic. I love being Catholic. No, they're devils. They're this, they're that. <laughs> And unfortunately, that mindset is prevalent in many non-denominational fellowships. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Anti-Catholicism is alive and well. Oh, it is. And living here in the United States. Oh, sure. But um, yeah, I think yeah. you're right about that. I mean, uh, I've seen sometimes where there is respect, and and I'm very grateful for that. When when I see the respect with some friends. Um, and even some guests that we've had on Sewing Hope, right, Bill? Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah, absolutely. We've had people of other denominations on on this uh, and other faiths on this podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I do think you're correct. In some cases, that does happen. It's sad to hear because uh, part of living in this country, right, is that yeah. freedom of religion, isn't it? And and we should have respect too. Yeah, and you know, and and a lot of people are honestly when it comes to you know, anti-Catholicism within our Protestant brothers and sisters. Uh, there are, there, I mean, there are, well, you know, stories from Scott Hahn, you know, and other, and other big people that, you know, other big uh, converts that would, that would say, you know, there was nothing more. I, I hated Catholicism. You know, I hated it because they just don't know what it is. They just don't. And, and, and if you can't articulate it, they, you know, people that have, people that hate the Catholic Church as a Protestant um, simply haven't truly heard a on fire Catholic explained to them their uh, where 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 their misconceptions are and and uh, when when that happens and that's the reason why you know these these shows are so important this evangelization is so important these witnesses like Margaret's talking about tonight with us is so important because when you when you listen to to a story and you you share with somebody how the Lord has impacted you through the sacraments, through the, through the Catholic faith, your witness, somebody told me one time, I think I might have even been on this show, said, your witness is the only evangelical tool that nobody can argue with. You know, because, because they, they can argue with you about yeah. doctrine, they can argue with you about this, but, but, but when you say, 
I've seen a Eucharistic miracle in person, or I have, or I, you know, I understand these doctrines of the faith because they've impacted me personally. When, yes. You know, once you share that with somebody, they they kind of go, you know, they really do. They, that's what happens. <laughs> they do. And because they it's do. like, well, because they, they can't argue with you. You know what? Well, yeah, that's my experience. And you know what? I'm not telling you that you have to have that one or that you're going to have that experience. But, but through, through the witness and the persistent witness, and that's kind of why I, I, I want to hear the rest of your story because it's so fascinating. It uh, is. You know, I, oh, thank you. You know, but, but, but I feel that, you know, there, there can be people, maybe even listening tonight, that's like, okay, you know what, if you just witness to your faith, if you just witness to uh, and what the Catholic faith has done for you in your life, that is what is going to draw people closer to you and eventually to the truth of the faith. I have found, um, as I said, many of them, as you said, Bill, are they just they don't know our doctrine, um, and they just they find it easy to criticize us. You know, I in fact, it's ironic. The other day, I posted something on Facebook uh, about my Catholicism, and a coworker said, "I thought you were a Christian." <laughs> I said, "Yes, I am a Christian. Catholics are Christian." <laughs> and that's unfortunately a strong misconception that many have of the Catholic Church. I did, like I said, I attended non-denominational fellowships periodically after that, but I was never able to be completely comfortable. I'm used to the quiet reverence of Mass, the beauty of Mass. Mm. I'm not used to histronics from the altar, people screaming and yelling, um, that was something I was never able to adjust to. But I did meet some very good teachers who did explain the word. I needed education in the word of God. I needed further knowledge in the word. Mm. Um, but like I said, I continued attending mass. Was I lonely? I was. Like I said, I accepted the Lord in March 1984. I got married in um, November 3rd. 2001 and i always laugh because i said my gosh the lord really has a sense of humor when i popped all of the birth control pills in the disposable i said okay that's it no more premarital sex until i'm married and i'm sure the lord was laughing margaret you are waiting 17 years <laughs> and oh. i thought oh gracious okay lord <laughs> but he knew and he knew and that and that was fine I got to the point where the only thing I wanted to do was to please the Lord. Mm. Uh, and I've always, you know, Bill, you had mentioned something beforehand. I always believed in being honest. I am not going to tell people, oh, I've just done things so perfectly. I am free of sin. I've always walked right. I have not. I definitely have not. And people need to understand that. People need to realize, despite your mistakes, despite your errors, if you come to the Lord with all sincerity and truth, he'll take you. He can change all of that. He can change your life. Yeah. But you have to be willing to give it to him. Let him deal with it. He'll take that. He'll make, you know, he'll make something beautiful out of your mess. If he did it for me, goodness knows he could do it for anybody. And wow. I've told people that. So as I said, I continued. And I mean, I had friends, Carolyn especially, and many other individuals. Margaret, you need to leave the Catholic Church. You need to leave the Catholic Church. 
I knew that I didn't need more word. I needed more knowledge in the word. I needed more growth in the word. Um, and I guess it became necessary. February 12th, 1995, I was home. I had just come in for mass. And the Lord just spoke to me and said, that's it. You're not going back. And I understand why that was. I did enter a period, and that was a 16 and a half year period, where I began to attend non-denominational fellowships. And admittedly, yes, I did grow in the things of God. I became much more familiar with the word. I became very familiar with his promises, but still something was missing. Hmm. Something was definitely missing. I, um, and I knew, and I was like, oh, Margaret, you're not going back to Catholicism. No, 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 no. <laughs> Devil, get thee behind me. You're not going back. <laughs> and I became involved with the megachurch here in New York City, where initially the word was very, very powerful. The messages were extremely powerful. But the church grew and moved into an expansive location and the conviction just diminished. We began to entertain uh, different politicians. Hillary was there, good gracious. And I just began, to, it was gnawing at me. I said, Margaret, this is not for you. You need to go back. And I knew that the Lord was leading me back to Catholicism, but I just was like, no, 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 that's not God. I know I need to leave here, but going back to Catholicism, I'm not really sure of. And my husband was there also. I met my husband there. I was just amazed as to how many individuals in those particular fellowships, they will engage in life, in different things that are so contrary to the word of God. There's no conviction, but yet they're, don't judge me. I'm a work in progress. And I remember telling it to, uh, to certain people, I said, you know, I said, Individuals whom I know that are Catholic, they would die before they would, you know, engage in that type of behavior. That's just not something that they would do. Um, and that is, like I said, it's an unfortunate prevalence. I was in non-denominational churches for 16 years. And I just, I oftentimes just shook my head. I, you were not required to live a holy life in many of them. You could have lived whatever life you chose. I could have lived with my husband outside of marriage, and we would have still been allowed to be on volunteer staff. It would not have made a difference. And I knew that it was time to go. We left there in June 2008. Um, we attended two other fellowships after that. But in July 2010, I was sitting in the doctor's office waiting to get a mammogram. I was reading a book on healing, and as clear as crystal, the Lord said to me, my Catholic people need to know my promises. And I was like, okay, are you calling me back? And one thing that you should never do when the Lord speaks to you is um, confer with other individuals. Not everybody is on the same uh, path as you are, so to speak. Not everybody can hear the Lord for you. And when I did mention it to other people, oh, no, 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 that's not the Lord. That's not the Lord. Tell Satan to get thee behind you. That's not the Lord. Mm. But by September 2011, that desire to go back to Catholicism, that conviction, it was so strong. And it was one Sunday night, my husband was ironing, and it was just, it was overpowering. And I went upstairs, and I said, just put that down for a minute. 
the Lord's telling me that I'm going to go back to Catholicism. I said, I cannot ignore this. This is something that's so strong. I, I cannot continue to ignore the voice of God. Wow. And I did. Mm. And I did. Um, I still though attended because I made that promise to him. Look, I said, I will still sit by your side at church. I will still attend, you know, service with you. Uh, in May, 2012, he actually transferred to a church here in my neighborhood in the Bronx. And I continued to go with him, but my attitude is I'm Catholic. And I tell people that very fervently, I am Catholic. Mm. I cannot even imagine any other way. And yeah, that's so what a, what a, what a powerful journey, what a powerful journey, um, you know, of, of your faith and of your, uh, just of your, of your heart. I mean, there's so many lessons in there for people. I mean, I, I, I hope people get the opportunity if you're listening to this live to re-listen to it again on our podcast feed, because there's so, so much, uh, I think in your story that just, that I think people can relate to. And, you know, I, I, I can also hear in, in your story where you are, um, you know, in your, in your ministry too, because, uh, you know, you, obviously you're, you know, a fantastic writer. You write about these journeys, you oh, write about you. these things, but, but, um, but you also do so with compassion. And, you know, I think another large piece of it is the whole judgment piece, right? Like, like you, you are also able to navigate that. I mean, where, where, where you talked a little bit about, okay, well, you know, there, in, in this Protestant church, you know, well, I can do all these things, but in, and don't judge me, I'm a work in progress. Well, no, we actually have, uh, you know, sets of, you know, doctrine and dogma in the Catholic faith, yes. but, 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 but at the same time, we don't, we don't let that, um, compassion for, for others link, you know, uh, just, just, uh, go, go by the wayside as we work through that, right? Exactly. And, 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 and and that's what's so nice about your journey, and it's also because you've been there, because you've seen that. Uh, oh, I've been you know, there. And and you've also committed to okay, well, you know what? I'm also going to help others understand and know, um, and and be exuberant. I mean, that's where your Facebook page is, right? I mean, if you're listening on Facebook, <laughs> yes. exuberant Catholic. So I, mean, I don't know if yes. you want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, talk a little bit about the exuberant Catholic. The Lord um, impressed upon me to start the blog because um, I, I am an exuberant Catholic, but I want to let others know about the promises of God. God, if we take time to read God's word, he makes some phenomenal promises to us. Unfortunately, many individuals do not familiarize themselves with his word. And that's not just in Catholicism. That's also in non-denominational fellowships. I mean, Bill, I've seen people and I have witnessed individuals in these fellowships. They will bolt out of their seats. They will run around the sanctuary and just scream the name of Jesus at the top of their lungs. But they're so devoid of any godly knowledge. When you speak to them, they're empty vessels. And my thing was, okay, I am going to, you know, I cannot get to you because they're, oh, you're Catholic. You're unable to tell me anything. Okay. But I made a promise to the Lord. I said, I want to let your people know 
what you're about, who you are. You're our master. You're our savior. There's so much in your word. Your word is so rich. Mm. We just need to take the time to look at it. God speaks to us whenever we open up the word of God. He speaks to us. I cannot tell you how many times I've opened up the word and it's like, okay, yes, Lord, that's exactly so. It will always correspond, you know, to my situation. Um, but I, as you've noticed, I've also in my blog, I also, I tackle issues of today. I wrote two articles recently, uh, counterfeit, um, counterfeit Christianity and hypocrisy in the pews, because I guess, especially too, with this latest election, I'm appalled at people who, you know, I'm just appalled at the stand, you know, that many individuals, you know, take. But yes, I did start the blog to, and I hate to use the word educate, what would inform me a better word, uh, but just to let people know, look, this is what's happening in the kingdom of God. People think that we as Catholics, that we, we know nothing. But yes, we do. We are so rich. We have such a rich background. We have such a rich culture. We just need to take the time to go into it and to, to look at everything and to see what God has provided us with. Yeah, what a, that's so beautiful. Yeah, I love your wisdom. I could listen to you for a long time. You're definitely going to have to come back again. Oh, thank you. I am uh, honored. Yeah, it'd be really awesome. Now, you mentioned it's just something that I picked up when you told your story because I thought it was kind of interesting when you said that you and your husband got married. I think you said it was at November of 2001. Now, I know you were located in New York. I think you're uh, in the Bronx. I so, yeah. you were, so you were in New York City then, and you got married pretty much just after September 11th, if I'm correct. And right? I did. I did. I've always lived in New York City. I am truly a lifelong native New Yorker. Uh, my husband is from Barbados. Um, he's been in New York for the last 31 years. We met at this non-denominational church. And we uh, we got married shortly after 9-11, November 3rd, 2001, we got married. Wow. And a little off topic because you were there. Um, so did that also affect your faith? Because here you are, 9-11 happened and then your wedding. What was that experience like for you right around that time? Um, I was, you know, I was grieved as to what occurred. I, I pray, I praise God. I was working at home that day because I was then a federal probation officer. I'm now retired from there, but I'm still in law enforcement and I was working from home. Oh, goodness. I was working from home and my husband, well, then my fiance called me from work and he said, do you have your television on? I put it on and I saw what happened and I was just, you know, I, I, I could not believe what I had witnessed um, it affected my faith to the sense of where I said, Lord, I have to be right with you. I have to walk in accordance with you because anything could happen at any given moment. Mm -hmm. And I would hate, oh my gosh, I would be beyond devastated or grieved to know that I was standing before him having to account for my life and not walking with, not having walked with him, not having obeyed or followed him. I've often said from then, even until now, the worst thing that you could ever hear is get away from me. I never knew you. Or yes, you followed me. But your walk was so shallow. I had all of this for you to do. 
and you ignore that. Mm. Wow. Um, but did it affect my wedding? No. I mean, we got married. Was it somber? Not, not really. I mean, the, always 9-11 is in the back of your mind, especially here in New York City. But I mean, I hate to say it, life, life did go back on. I, in fact, the pastor at the time said, you know, it's grievous to know that right after 9-11, everybody made their way to church. And after a few weeks had passed, people just stopped attending. People got comfortable. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember that. I remember that. I remember we went to actually mass the night of September 11th. Uh, I was, I was, gosh, I was in high school at the time. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget um, that particular uh, day. Obviously, we all know where we were. But uh, that's right. But yeah, yeah. I mean, just just to hear, you know, okay, it 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 moved you just to say, all right, you know, I, anything can happen at any moment. I think. That, that's true. That that's a that that's a big, um, you know, reminder for our for our culture and for our for our times who continue people in this culture and this mindset, especially young people. Uh, you know, it's it's all about living for today, living for today, living for today. When yes. you know you need to live for the kingdom of God, and that's that's hard. You know, this is hard stuff. But I think uh, your you know your testimony is so beautiful because it's in and out up and down and it's a reminder that that we can we can have a journey like that and still be loved by the Lord and still be uh, you know no matter how long it takes no matter how long it takes if we just we, having the disposition of heart to know I want to be with you you know even through even through my failures even through you know these ups and downs having that disposition of your heart to be able to say God I desire you and even if I'm not doing even if I'm not capable of doing everything you want me to do, which I, which I think honestly is all of us. Like, I don't think we'll ever be, be capable of doing exactly what uh, the gospel <laughs> command is. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I don't think that's happening this side of heaven. No, but, but, um, <laughs> but, it, but it's the, but it's the, but it's the striving for it that pleases God. And so yes. just, just, you know, if you're listening to this, maybe if you're listening to a, uh, if you have a friend who uh, needs to hear this message, send them this podcast, because I think, you know, your story, Margaret, is so beautiful for that. Thank and, you. Uh, and a good reminder of it. I've always believed in being very honest. And I, um, people just take this so lightly about everybody, you know, and one thing that, that I'm really grieved over is the fact, the mindset that many people feel, well, there's no hell. Everybody's going to heaven. That's not so. That is so untrue. People feel, oh, whatever I do, it's okay. God will forgive me. Yes, he does forgive us. If we ask for forgiveness on this side, yes, he is faithful and just to forgive us. But if we die without asking for forgiveness or walking contrary to God, you know, that's not a good place to be in. That is so not a good place to be in. But many people just disregard God. Oh, God's so loving. God, God excuses whatever I do. He excuses that. No, he doesn't. Yeah. I, I remember a line that stuck out to me actually in the book, Dead Man Walking one time. I actually was in, actually in an interview uh, with Sister Helen Prejean, the, uh, the woman who oh, yes, wrote the course. book, uh, Dead Man Walking. And, and, and she said um, uh, in there, do you, do you want somebody to freeze frame you in the worst act of your life. And, 
And I think the answer for every person is no. We, we, we don't want anybody to be freeze-framed in the worst act of your life. And that's what, that's what Satan wants to do. You yes. know, you know, in listening to your story, that's what Satan wants to do. He just what you were saying there, like that that quote came to my mind because it's do do you want somebody to say you know, that's what Satan's doing to your life? He's saying, okay, yes. you know, I want to freeze frame you in this, I, and I want to drag you down with. I want to drag you to hell with me. I want I want to yes. free. You're not made for that. You're not made for that. You are made for so much more. God created you for so much more. So, uh, you know, don't allow Satan to just freeze frame your life and say, okay, well, you're no good, you know, you are no good, you are, you are, you are this, you are, you know, you're a, you're an adulterer, you're a liar, you're a cheater, you're a, you're a, you a, know, a false, a, for, right, for, false prophet, whatever, whatever you are, don't let him freeze frame you. No. Instead, say, I'm a redeemed son or daughter of God because I have been forgiven, I've sought forgiveness, I've you know, through, you know, as, as Catholics listening to this, that means, you know, going, going and receiving sacramental reconciliation, uh, you know, but, but the reality is if you can do that and, you know, don't allow, just don't, don't allow Satan to freeze frame you in the, in the worst, you know, moments of your life. Cause that's what he wants to do. <laughs> and that's what he wants to do. And also too, I would tell individuals, be careful who you listen to, um, we have, not we, but there are many who have the mindset that, oh, well, if it's a non-denominational pastor, it has to be good. I've heard serious error coming from those pulpits. There are many who do, who disregard hell. In fact, that's the article I'm working on now. It is entitled The Reality of Hell. Hell is real. And, you know, and I praise God in his mercy that he did not take me when I was in my 20s because I, I would have been spending eternity in torment. That That's a fact. The way that I was living, that's a definite fact. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I would have lived apart from God. And knowing that I'd had the chance to change and did not, I, I can't even imagine living in that grief. Mm. We appreciate your sharing your story yeah. because uh, you give people hope to really, I think, to examine themselves. You know, we all have some examination to do. Um, now, as Bill said, we don't want to be freeze-framed into the, the worst act of our lives, right? But oh, gracious, no. <laughs> when, when, we, <laughs> no. when we go to confession, you know, we yeah. can make a, um, you know, a real examination of our conscience to say, okay, where, where I'm at right now, how have I really offended God yeah. and, and, and others in my actions and in the way that I live my life. And not only am I, quote, avoiding sin, right? But am I actually being proactive to be Jesus for other people too, right? Because not only is it about, and I know that's really what Bill and I, our podcast is about, we say sowing hope into broken hearts because uh, our faith is proactive too, right? Yes. Because a lot of, a lot of sin, and I don't think people realize this too, is not so much what it is what you've done right what you physically done and and a lot of it is in the sexual realm right as the yes pointed out but it's also you know simply how do we treat human beings too i mean that's, that's exactly gotta be part so. of it you know because in matthew 25 you know the lord says you know when i came to you and i was hungry thirsty needed some place to stay needed a person to talk to i'm putting it in 
American language, right? But, I mean, <laughs> yes, right? I know but that. he came to us and he says, yes. you know, where were you when I needed you? I mean, I think we can all think of times that we failed in that yeah. respect. And yeah. I think actually, I think our world needs that too. Yes. I think our world needs to examine how have we reacted to our brothers and sisters, uh, not, not only our physical brothers and sisters, right? But everybody. Yeah, everybody. How That's we, exactly so. And, yeah. yeah. So your, your story is just incredible how God has worked so much in your life and, and all the great things that you're doing and your writing. And, <laughs> and you, you love your church too. Tell us a little bit about that because I know when I read your bio, you're very active at your parish. I'd love to hear more about that. I'm very active. When I first went back to Catholicism, I was at a parish, Our Lady of Grace, which is just four blocks away from here. Uh, but we closed. In 2015, a lot of parishes in the New York Archdiocese closed down and we merged with St. Francis of Rome. I just, um, I, I love it. I really, truly love it. I basically just jumped into it. Yeah. I uh, let them know, listen, I'm interested. And I, I quickly became involved. But I also recently became involved. There's a pro-life group in a neighboring parish uh, St. Barnabas, I became involved with that as well. And I'm going to be starting podcasts, pro-life podcasts. That's so cool. Um, in That's fact, incredible. yes, I'm so looking forward to that because, and I love the Catholic Church for that because I really find that the Catholic Church is very vocal in the pro-life movement. Mm -hmm. I think that out of all of the churches, all of the denominations, we have that beat. I, I truly think that Catholics, for the most part, we rise up in mass to defend the unborn. Yes, of course, there are some that do not. I understand that. But I think the Catholic Church has just been phenomenal with that. I love my parish. I have an incredible, I mean, my pastor, Father Ejafor, is amazing. Uh, my husband, who is not Catholic, will accompany me to mass. And he just, he loves it. Father E is very, um, we have the missionaries of St. Paul. It's a diocesan parish, but it's staffed by the missionaries of St. Paul. And he is an amazing pastor. He knows the word of God. He conveys that. He's very, um, he, he's just, he's great. He can talk to you. He's really, he's one person. He's one go-to person. If you need to speak to anyone, I would say Father Ishafor is, is definitely it. I'm very happy with my parish. <laughs> so I'll make a cool. shout out to them. You said it's uh, St. Barnabas. Is that what? what no, St. Barnabas is where the pro-life group is. Okay. Um, but my parish is St. Francis, Francis of Rome. Francis of Rome. Oh. Here in the Bronx, the beautiful That's Bronx, awesome. New York. <laughs> awesome. So good. So well, good. thank you so much. And, and I want to invite you. I'm sure Bill agrees to have you back because oh, we have yeah. a talk about thank you yes. thank you so much ann and bill i am so honored really i'm completely honored with this invitation and i thank you i hope i've been able to minister to others who are listening oh, absolutely you have absolutely you have and uh i just encourage everybody uh go over and check out catholic 365 and also uh margaret's facebook page which again is exuberant catholic uh blogger at exuberant catholic and writer at 
Catholic 365. So, so please, uh, you, you know, go uh, like the pages. Uh, you, there's some really great information uh, she's got on there. Uh, so, so please, folks, um, you know, check it out. And, and uh, yeah, Margaret, we definitely have to have you back because there's so much to talk about. And I'm, and I, and I'm sure there's there's parts of your journey that that weren't able to be packed into an hour <laughs> that we can unpack even more. So, uh, thank you. I would love that, Bill. And thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, folks, Thank you. Uh, folks, I want to remind you as well, uh, if you missed anything, you want to head over to our website, uh, patchworkheart.org or andysantis.com. Uh, those are the two spots uh, that you can find out uh, more about the, informa- you know, the information about this show and all the other ministerial efforts that we have. Uh, so please, uh, again, it's patchworkheart.org, andysantis.com. And uh, really, really appreciate you all being here with us tonight. And until next time, from all of us, all of us at the St. Raymond Anatis Foundation, Patchwork Heart Ministry, and Fiat Ministry Network, I'm Bill Snyder. Keep beating to your Catholic heart. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2.